As we um, come to look at God's word tonight, let's uh, pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your written word that we find in the Bible. We thank you for the easy pieces and the difficult pieces. And we pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would inspire us tonight, your Holy Spirit would help us to see your plan working through history and help us to go out changed people tonight. Amen. Um, I've titled this uh, sermon tonight, Difficult Times, Decisions and Actions. For many of us tonight, we have lived through a difficult month or six weeks. This might well have been at various levels, We've had at the national level the riots, the problems within our cities, perhaps at the local level the loss of jobs or the risks of losing jobs, perhaps at a personal level examination results which results in few job opportunities or college courses. And then, of course, there are health issues, there are relationship issues and problems. Many different problems. Nationally, there have been calls for rapid actions to solve the nation's problems, whether that be financial or social. Of course, we know that rapid responses usually mean not well-thought-out solutions. But whatever the problem, they usually are the result of decisions, lifestyle choices, ways of thinking that have been practiced over many years. Well, of course, these are not new situations. If you are a historian, you will know that this has happened time and time again. And the Bible gives us a history of a personal and national responses to God. The choices that individuals made, how they lived their lives and their relationships with God. And here tonight, we've got one of these situations where the lead character... Ahaz was seen by the writer of two kings as a person who did what was wrong in the eyes of God. Now, if I could have my first uh, slide, please. Um, We've got um, four passages in Scripture that are concerned and relevant to the Ahaz story. The first one, the two kings, is what you should have in front of you, hopefully. Uh, There's two chronicles, chapter 28... 1 to 26, which will give you more detail about Ahaz. And I would recommend that uh, uh, sometime this week you have a look at that because it fills in other details. Then we've got 2 Samuel 5, where I'll refer to that later about concerning King David. And finally, our first reading that we had, the prophet Isaiah 7, verses 1 to 2, 12. Well, through our reading, we see that Ahaz is a man who has no concern for God at all. He chooses idolatry in its, in its many forms. His vocation is political as he seeks the security and the safety of Judah without reference to God and his power. And the prophet Isaiah that we heard in that first reading seems to be useless and not acknowledged by the king, who doesn't appear to to believe when God orders him through the words of Isaiah, ask a sign 
of the Lord your God. Ahaz doesn't appear to want to ask anything of the God of Israel. He doesn't appear to want to receive anything from him or to be beholden to him. He refuses this offer by using the pretext of saying, I will not put the Lord to the test. Well, let's have a look at two kings in a bit more detail that you'll find on page 387 if you haven't got it open already. Because we can see, I believe, some benefits from history. Now, I don't know what your uh, initial reaction is to a passage like this. When I read it, you know, there's so much going on in it, you know, and particularly if you haven't been with us in the earlier Sundays when we've been looking at two kings, I wanted to start by giving a little bit of basics. And this is that uh, David's kingdom of Israel had been divided into two Okay, the north was called Israel. If I could have the second slide, please. Uh, This is a map of the area that we're concerned about. The uh, David's kingdom had been divided, I said, into two. The north called Israel, the south called Judah, centred upon Jerusalem. Now, most of the chapters in two kings are actually concerned with the northern kingdom of Israel and the decline of the people and the kings into sinful practices. But within this small section of two kings, chapter 16, we have an account of some of the kings of Judah, the southern kingdom, one of which is Ahaz. And of course, like today, no land lives as an island. All countries are influenced and affected by what goes on around them. And so it was with Ahaz. What is at issue here, though, is the power of the state and the use of religion to achieve it. And so Ahaz carries on with the sins of Jeroboam, who tried to use God to bolster the security and power of the state of Israel. So my first point tonight is going to be, let's have a look at the character of Ahaz through this passage we have in front of us. Verses 1 to 4. Now, in these first four verses, we see the age of the man and something of his character. And perhaps this is a clue to the decisions and actions that are recorded in this passage. We read in verse 2, Unlike his father David, he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord his God. Now, he had a fantastic background, if you think about it. King David, the ultimate king of Israel was his relative. So he had a fantastic background to him. But he didn't do what was right. He walked in the ways of the king of Israel, the northern kingdom, and he even sacrificed his son in the fire, following the detestable ways of the nations that the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. And so we see then that this king Ahaz lacked moral fibre because he followed the practices of others and he did what was unacceptable to God, even to the extent of following the religions and moral actions of those people that God had already driven out. We read in verse 3 that he followed the ways of the kings of Israel to the north. These kings had left the ways of the God of Israel. They had included the worship of foreign gods, which had provoked the God of Israel to anger. And this is what Ahaz followed to the extent of dedicating his son to these gods. 
to fertility worship under the spreading trees and high places within his land. And so Ahaz had moved a long way from the practices of his predecessor, King David and King Solomon. And in this, I think, we see the danger, don't we, of following others, in this case, those kings of the north. We also see that A, the way that Ahaz allowed himself to be influenced by others. As one commentator puts it, Ahaz appears to be a weak king who has to have security in foreign gods and practices. Is it no wonder that as we see further on in this passage, the decisions that he makes concerning the safety and future of the kingdom of the south are unwise and insecure? Now, of course, for us tonight, we are not in the same situation as this king. None of us are likely to be in a position to have to make decisions concerning the security of our land in which we live. But all of us do have to face difficult decisions in life, whether that's about work, education, relationships, health, And where we place God within our lives will affect the decisions we make. The lives we lead, the moral, the religious decisions we make, the practices that we have will affect these decisions. Today, don't we need to hear this same message? Don't we need to take the warnings for ourselves? How are we being influenced by our society in which we live, within our thoughts, attitudes and actions? Of course, it's easy, isn't it, to see this when it's young people rioting and stealing on the streets. But I have to challenge myself and say, how influenced am I by this society with regard to greed, money, investments, protecting my wealth at the expense of others in less fortunate places, relying upon the security they can bring rather than the security found in Jesus and his promises. Ahaz did what was wrong in the eyes of the Lord. And we must be sure that we are not following in that sort of pattern by following Jesus and his teaching. Because if we're doing that, we're in a good place to start. But what about Ahaz? What about him? Well, my second point is this. What situation was Ahaz actually in? Well, we need to go back to the geography and the current affairs of the time to see what the situation he was in. Again, if you look at the map, this hopefully will uh, clarify the situation. Two kings of Aram and Israel went up to fight against Jerusalem and his kingdom. Not only were they besieging Jerusalem, but the port of Elath had been taken from Judah so that Aram and Israel had control of a very important trading route. So we see here that Ahaz had an important military and economic problem. He's in Jerusalem. So what does he do? Well, as one commentator suggests, he holds a war cabinet in the city of Jerusalem with all his advisors, and then he sends for help from the king of Assyria. Well, we have to ask ourselves, is this the action that he should have taken? Well, of course, in modern times, this is perhaps what we'd expect of politicians, a meeting of all the experts who can offer advice to the leader. That's what happens in our government. We've seen it recently with David Cameron and the riot situation and the Libyan situation. 
The advisors meet, advise, and the politicians make the decisions. Well, if you compare this to the ancestors of Ahaz, King David, we see a very different situation. Referring back to that reading in 2 Samuel chapter 5, which you'll find on page 309 of your Bibles. And we're looking at verses 17 to 20. I'll read it out for you if you don't want to uh, look it up yourselves. It says this, When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephan. So David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord answered him, Go, for I will surely hand the Philistines over to you. So David went to Baal Perazim, and there he defeated them. He said, As waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. So David equally had a problem, this time with the Philistines. But what did he do? Well, he sought the way of the Lord. He asked the Lord directly, Shall I go and attack the Philistines? And the Lord answered him. David expected the Lord to answer him. He listened to him. And if you read on, you'll see how he followed and obeyed the word of the Lord. And the result of this is that David and his army defeated the Philistine army. The power of God was working with David to fulfill God's purposes. Well, what about Ahaz? Well, in the case of Ahaz, we read how God intercedes intercedes into this difficult situation through the prophet Isaiah. Remember back to that reading we had at the beginning of the service in Isaiah chapter 7. His message is, do not be afraid. Do not let your heart be troubled. You will not be defeated. Only believe. God is the saviour of Israel and the prophecy is to the effect that if you do not believe, you will perish. So this is God's appeal to his people and king. It's a promise, it's a guarantee, and it's a threat. So what does Ahaz do? Well, we read in that Isaiah passage that in contrast to this, he's panic-stricken. His heart shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. There's no question of him turning to the Lord. No, he seeks the help of Assyria, a foreign, non-believing race of people. However, he has to pay for them, so he sends them treasure that comes from the temple of the Lord and the royal palace. He uses the wealth bestowed by David and Solomon to pay for the use of the Assyrian army to defeat his enemies. And so, as a result of this, the state of Judah becomes a vassal state. In other words, it results in the Judah kingdom becoming subject to the Assyrians in military terms, in economic terms, and in religious ways. God's people become subject to a foreign power because of this action. And so, we see here that in the eyes of Ahaz, the God of Israel is no longer the master of nations, the one who holds in his hands the destiny of his own and every people. So my third point is this. What's the result of Ahaz's actions? 
Well, if you look in verses 10 to 20, the uh, largest part of the passage, we see that Ahaz goes off to Damascus to meet the king of Assyria. And here again, we see the power of the influence of society. Because the Assyrians don't force Ahaz to follow the gods of Assyria. We know from other sources that when Assyria conquered people, they didn't force the people to follow their gods. No, we see Ahaz of his own calling decide that he likes the look of this new altar found in the temple, an altar to the god Hadad. And he instructs his priest Uriah to copy it and to build it within the temple of God in Jerusalem. And the changes that Ahaz brought, as given in verse 17, one commentator has put it like this. It has simply been that travel has broadened Ahaz's mind. He has gained some new ideas. Ahaz is presented as a king who is open to foreign influence in his religious policy. He is not presented as one who is under foreign control. He is not presented as one who is under foreign control. But it's dark days, nonetheless, because never before has a Judean king taken it upon himself to redesign the worship of God within the temple of Jerusalem. And so we read in verses 10 to 19 the changes that Ahaz caused within the temple worship within Jerusalem. He introduces other forms of worship, all because he's gone the wrong way with the decision to rely upon the strength of Assyria to solve his military and security problems, rather than relying upon the promises of God. Now, of course, this is a massive effect, because it won't just affect him, it will affect the religious life of the whole state of Judah. And if you read on in that Isaiah prophecy, you will see that Isaiah prophesies the destruction of Assyria and the destruction of the states of Israel and Judea. And so my fourth point is this, perhaps the most difficult one for all of us. How can we apply these difficult historical passages? Well, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, how do we apply something that happened so long ago in such a different uh, context to what we live in? Well, I think the first thing, I've got two points for you. The first thing is this. We have the benefit of the whole of the scripture in front of us that gives us the history of Israel. And we see that God worked throughout the history despite the actions of people, including kings. Despite their pursuing their own way, God did act and God did provide a king for them. He provided what we call a saviour or a messiah to mankind. And of course, he came through the line of David. And that, of course, is Jesus, as we know him today. Despite the fact that mankind failed to follow God's way, his plan of salvation was still completed through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so we can be encouraged that nothing will stop the plans of God. Nothing. Even people like Ahaz won't stop the plans of God. But we do need to know what those plans of God are so that we can be encouraged. And so secondly, my second point to finish off with tonight, 
as we consider our lives and the communities that we live in. I think we can take a general lesson for us if we're followers of Jesus. We need, don't we, to make sure that within our own lives and our own church, we put God the foremost place within our lives. Not to make the culture that we live in with all the, all the trappings of our culture to become the God that we worship. That means we need to find out what he does expect of us. How does he expect us to live within this culture? Well, he's given us this book to help us. He's given us the words of Jesus that apply today as much as they did 2,000 years ago. So if you want to know what uh, God wants you to do in those difficult decisions, look at what Jesus says. He offers us guidelines to us. Listen, David asked of the Lord, and he listened. Well, call upon Jesus if you need help. The Apostle Paul says, pray at all times. So we need to learn to pray. Pray in the good times when it's easy, and pray in the difficult times when it's not so easy. Study the word of God. Study what Jesus says. Listen in the quiet of the night. Listen to what the Christian tradition tells you. Because all of these are ways that we can hear the God of Israel speak to us. Remember that saying, that old saying, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all these things will be added to you. So let us tonight, as we gather here, be wise. Listen to Jesus, rather than being unwise like Ahaz. Amen.